1 Samuel chapter 19. If you'll stand with us for a few moments tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 19. And um, we'll read this passage of Scripture and have prayer. And then you can be seated. 1 Samuel chapter number 19 and verse number 18. The Bible says, So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth and Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take uh, David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul. And they also prophesied. Verse 21. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah, and came to a great well that is in Seku. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that night and all, or all that day and all that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Lord, we thank you once again to be able to be in your house. And as they sung that song, we've been reminded that serving you is truly worth it all. And God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. And I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll give us wisdom and liberty. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would speak to our hearts. God, move now and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach out of verse number 18 where the Bible says, So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah. And I notice in verse number 18 here that there's really four different characters uh, uh, that the Bible mentions in this story here that is worthy of mentioning tonight. First of all, there's David, and David represents the anointed of God in verse 18. And then there's Samuel, and Samuel represents the man of God. And then there's Saul, and Saul represents the enemy of God. And then there's the messengers of Saul, and there's the prophets of Samuel. And these represent the tools of God. And God is using each one of them in his own way. Now, I'm not a Calvinist, as I've said many times this morning, but or, or throughout this, the life of David, in preaching, but I want to say this, that you cannot help when you read the Old Testament, you have to believe in the sovereignty and, and the providential hand of God, that though God gives every man a will and every man a choice, yet God is God, and God can use every man according as he pleases in his own design and in his own plan. Only God can do that. And as I think about this story here, David is running for his life, and Saul has made several attempts at David's life to kill him and to destroy destroy him and now Saul is, is or David is running once again and he comes to Samuel and I want to preach a few minutes th uh, tonight on this subject on running to the man of God running to 
the man of God. The Bible said that David fled and escaped and came to Samuel. And I want to simply say this on the outset of this message here, that David was a real man of God, or Samuel was a real man of God, and so was David. But every David needs a Samuel in his life. And when you think about Samuel, Samuel was a true man of God, for Samuel did not call the message for the king or anybody else. He just simply preached what God told him to preach. And you know, men of God, that's what we need to be known for. It's not our personalities. It's not our pulpit mannerism that we need to be known for. It's not our success in this life. But what people need to know about us amongst everything else is that we are men of the truth. Amen. They need to know that whatever we preach is that we're not going to preach our opinions or our ideas or our philosophies or our theology, but we're going to preach the truth of the Word of God. Amen. And Samuel was a man of truth. Samuel was a man who was tough. Amen. Can I tell you something? Samuel was not a smooth looking guy, but Samuel was not a man with smooth words or vocabulary, but Samuel, my friend, was rough around the edges. Samuel, my friend, was a man that just preached it like it is, and whether it cost him or didn't cost him, and can I say that's what we need in 2017? If you're going to be a man of God, you're going to have to have some hide on you. You're going to have to be tough. As D.L. Moody said, you need to be bold as a lion before men, and you need to be as humble as a child before God. Amen? And can I tell you, friend, that's what this generation needs. They need some men, not with the Joel Osteen attitude and spirit, and I'm not talking about being mean and ugly, but friend, this generation needs to see some men of God that have some anointing and have some authority and have some boldness in what they're saying. Amen. You see, if a man's not called of God and he's bold, he'll be a smart aleck. Isn't that right? But if a man's got a touch of God uh, and he prays and, he's, and, and he asks God to help him and, and he's humble before God, uh, then that boldness and that authority that comes out will be God anointed, amen? And uh, listen, uh, he won't have to be a smart aleck because God will take his words uh, and will put weight behind what he is saying. And that is the kind of man that Samuel was. Uh, and then I want to say Samuel was a tender man of God. Uh, Samuel, even in our text, uh, he shows compassion passion on David and a real man of God may be a man of truth and he may be a man that is tough uh, uh, but he'll love the people that he's preaching to and Samuel certainly loved David and Samuel certainly wanted to be there and here's what David knew about Samuel he knew that when the hard times of life came upon him he knew he had a preacher he knew he had a man of God that he could run to that would help him in the hard times of life amen now this text proves this tonight. So David has been running for his life. Saul will not give up on David. He has one goal in mind, and brother, that's to take David down. And here's what you don't see in chapter 18 or chapter 17, 18, and 19. In chapter 16, Samuel steps on the scene. He anoints David, but then Samuel walks away and he leaves David. Now think about this tonight. He leaves David to fight the Philistines by himself. He leaves David to face Goliath by himself. He leaves David, I'm talking about his preacher. He leaves David to face uh, Saul all by himself. Uh, uh, Brother George, Samuel is not holding David's hand 
sin, through the battles that he is facing, he's not holding David's hand when he fights that giant. He's not even on the scene. But in other words, he's letting David face life all by himself. Now I'll tell you, listen to me tonight. If you don't get anything out of this sermon, please get what I'm about to say. Sometimes people in church will think that the preacher is supposed to be there for everything that they go through in life. And I'm not talking about when you're laying in a hospital facing open heart surgery. Don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about there are people that sometimes they come to church and because the preacher is not there for their beckoning call, He's not there when, uh, you know, uh, maybe they stub their toe or maybe he's not there when uh, uh, they have a financial crisis or maybe he's not there, uh, listen, just in their day-to-day affairs on the job and, and with things that they face in life. Hey, listen, you have to understand something. If a preacher really loves you, if a pastor really loves you, then he won't hold your hand every step of the way. He will let you fight your own giants He'll let you face your own battles. You will never convince me that Samuel ever stopped praying for David because Samuel said to Saul, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Now, if Samuel was praying for Saul, you can chalk it up. He was praying for David too, amen? And what I'm saying is a man of God has a responsibility to do something more than just hold your hand or be a crutch for you in life. He is to pray for you that God will help you to stand on your own two feet and to have your own faith and to walk with God. Amen. I never will forget Brother James Jones preaching here in a jubilee several years ago and he made this statement and I mean it has stuck in my mind ever since. He's talking about a preacher that had pastored a church for several years and the time had come for him to retire and he was leaving. He was preaching his last sermon to that congregation that he had pastored for 40 plus years and he had been there and been and been there for them through thick and through thin and they had him as well. But he made this statement and it stuck in my mind that that older man of God said to his congregation, one of the last things he told them on that Sunday morning was that if I have tied you to anything other than Christ, then I have failed. And can I tell you this this evening, it's the responsibility of a pastor that he makes double sure that members in the church do not cling to him, but that they cling to Christ. Can I get a witness right there? It's his responsibility to not get people to follow him, but to follow Jesus, amen? That they don't have preacher religion, but they serve God, amen? And if someone's a mature saint, you don't have to worry about that. But them young Christians, when they get saved, you're to be there to help them. You're to, you're to be there as a pastor to, to mentor them and to, and to try to help them grow in the Lord. But there comes that time when you've got to back up and let them fight their own battles. You've got to let them wait out in life for themselves. You can't be there all the time carrying them through every trial. Hey, listen, you cannot be people's refuge. You've got to let them learn that God is their only refuge and strength. Amen. You can't deliver everybody is what I'm saying. And by, while I'm on the subject, you as a member don't take the responsibility and the role on to mentor people in this church. Can I get a witness right there? 
God did not give you that. Uh, he didn't put you in that place. You can be an example. You can be an encouragement, but it's not your place to mentor people. It's not your place to even rescue them when you see them in trouble. I see that sometimes even in this church. Uh, uh, you see somebody uh, going through a hard time and you want to rescue them. Can I tell you something? So do I. So do these deacons. So do these deacon wives. But learn something. I want to help some people tonight. Learn something from these folks. Learn something from them. You know what you see about these people right here? You see consistency, don't you? They're not in everybody's business. They're not running to everybody's refuge and aid. You can't do that. What's well, quiet right now? You know why it's quiet? Because it's something to think about, ain't it? Them older saints, watch them. They're not there to, to just give advice. Now, they will give advice, but you don't see them running around to everybody all the time trying to mentor and give advice. You say, well, why don't they do that if they have all this wisdom? Why don't they do that? Because they're spiritual. Tell you what they do. They pray for people. And they let them fight their battles. And they let them face their giants. And they let them learn to walk with God. You see, sometimes if you and I are not careful, we will get other people to lean on us. That's a bad thing. That's not a good thing. Brother George, I love you. But I'd much rather try, if I can be any help to you, any at all, I'd rather be a help to help you learn to lean on Christ, not on me. I can pray with you. If you need me in the middle of the night, call me. I mean, call me and say, preacher, I'm in a dire strait. Now, if you call me at three o'clock in the morning, make sure it's a dire strait. Somebody say amen. I mean, if, if, listen, if, 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 you bought, if you bought hot dogs at Bilo uh, and you paid $10 for them and they went on sale at Walmart and you lost $5, don't call me, amen. Am I telling you the truth? You saw, that's ridiculous. Who would, you'd be surprised some calls I get sometimes. But you got to learn to fight your own battles. You also got to learn to live your own life. And what Samuel does is he allows David to live life at itself. But here's what David knew. David knew when the heat and the pressure got at its worst point. And I'm talking about here's a man that's killed a giant. Here's a man that's fought the Philistine army several times. And now he's ran for his life and he's been on the run and he's been on the run. And God has used multiple people in his life. But now he has reached a point that he has exhausted all them other resources. And he knows that it's time that he goes to the man of God. And I want to stop and say this. There is times you need to go to the preacher. There's time that you need to talk to the pastor. There's times you don't need to seek counsel from other people and other sources. Uh, you need to go to the man of God. And may I say this, uh, uh, David did not get to choose Samuel. God put Samuel in David's life. You don't get to choose your pastor no more than the pastor gets to choose his members. Amen. We're just stuck with each other. Isn't that right? Uh, you're stuck with me and I'm stuck with you. Uh, and we just got to serve God and love Jesus and make the best of it. Somebody say, man, isn't that right? What's oh, good preaching, Brother Gravely? Just keep on plowing right there. <laughs> hey, but here's what David knew. David knew now it's time to run to the man of God. And can I tell you, there's times when every David needs a Samuel. 
And David goes to Samuel and in this text, God proves the plan of God that even though things looked out of control, they were still in God's control. It proves the power of God that the power of God overcame Saul and his messengers. It proves the presence of God that what what stopped Saul ultimately and what stopped his messengers was the very presence of God. They showed up in the hill of God and they showed up where Samuel and those prophets were singing and prophesying and God just put a spell on them and that was the presence of God that stopped Saul from even doing what he wanted to do. Don't think for one minute that just because circumstances may look bad, don't think for one minute the devil's got you so far back in a corner that God can't get you out of it friend I'm telling you I don't care there's not enough demons and there's not enough devils in hell uh, to get any of us tonight uh, because God's got all power and God's presence alone will push back the evil forces of hell and the evil forces of darkness uh, and it proves the protection of God God put this spell on Saul and he put it on his messengers for one reason so that David could be protected and friend that just proves uh, that God may work in some very peculiar ways, uh, but God's way is always a perfect way. God always has a plan before the enemy's got a plan. Uh, God always has a scapegoat uh, and God's always got a back door uh, and if he doesn't have one, he'll just step right down in the middle of it and he'll steal the enemy until you can get out of the way. Hallelujah. That's the God we serve tonight. But the question in my mind is this is why did David go to Samuel? Just a few simple things here and I'm done tonight. I want to say that David went to Samuel in verse number 18, number one, for counsel. His trial had reached a point that he needed Samuel's advice. And David knew that he didn't just need advice, but he he needed spiritual advice. David knew that the situation had come to a point in his life now that God had used people in his life, but now he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to turn to. And he wasn't seeking secular advice, but he knew that if he anybody could help him, he knew that it would be Samuel. That Samuel had the wisdom. That Samuel, if he didn't have the wisdom, Samuel would seek that wisdom from above. And David went there for counsel. And can I say something? I believe that the man of God is to give counsel from the pulpit. He is to preach uh, and he is to give counsel from the word of God. But there are times when the man of God has to sit down and has to uh, listen to pray with people and he has to give counsel concerning different circumstances in life. Amen. And you uh, uh, and I need to understand that and we need to seek that counsel sometimes. I've watched people. I've watched people drown in their problems just because they just wouldn't seek counsel. And sometimes by the time they get to that point, there's too much damage. And what you may tell them is too little too late. Saint David did not wait until Saul was on his heels to go to Samuel. David went to Samuel while there was still an opportunity to seek God. And a lot of times I'm afraid that in this society where people are very churchy, that if you're not careful, you can hear a lot of things out there that sounds good. And I'll even say this about me as a preacher. If I don't give you sound advice from the word of God, don't even listen to me. Somebody say amen. 
because I don't have wisdom within myself. I can't even fix my own problems, so I sure can't fix your problems. Isn't that right? I've got problems like everybody else have, and I've got questions for my problems just like everybody else has, and I'm seeking God for wisdom for my problems just like everybody else because I'm human as well, but I believe this. I believe God talked to Samuel, and I believe God gives Samuel wisdom. We see that in the scriptures and times when Samuel needed that. God would open Samuel's mind up and he would give him that word and God will do that for a preacher. A preacher doesn't know everything about your life. He doesn't have all the answers to life's problems for you but if you'll come to him and if you'll say, hey preacher, will you help me pray about this? Uh, Hey pastor, hey preacher's wife, will you help me? Uh, Will you give me some counsel? Will you give me some wisdom here? I believe you can pray together and find the answer. Amen. I believe a man of God, if he's going to counsel, and he's going to counsel a woman, he ought to counsel in the presence of his wife and the presence of her husband, if at all possible. Is that right? You can destroy your ministry. Flesh cannot handle that. What can start out to be seeming as nothing can mess your life up in a heartbeat. None of us, this preacher included, that scares me more than anything in 2017. That scares me more than anything that I know of right now. I have seen some of the greatest men of God that I know of mess their ministries and their lives and their families up. I'm talking about men I knew that loved God and walked with God and sought God. The devil's after every one of us, amen? And I think a woman that really wants counsel should first seek the preacher's wife advice, amen? He said, well, I don't know if Miss Gravely's gonna tell me the right thing or not. Doesn't make no difference. That's God's divine order. You need to go there first and talk to her. If she can't help you, if she does, if she sees that you need further counsel, then we need to sit down together. Can I get a witness right there? But you don't need to seek outside sources is what I'm saying. And that's not just for this church. I preach that everywhere I go. Amen. And I want to tell you something. You say, well, I, I love that preacher. I love that preacher's wife. That's not the person God put in your life. Amen. That's not God's divine order. Amen. Now, I believe that with all my heart. In fact, I preach that if I'm in revival meetings, this is what I say in just about it. You was with me in that last one. And uh, this is what I say in a lot of revival meetings. I said, I'm gonna tell you who the real person that you are love and appreciate. This is what I say in other churches. It's the man that harnesses up and plows and preaches to you every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I'm not talking about putting a preacher on a pedestal. Don't misunderstand me. But when you go into church and you preach revival, I never will forget what Brother Stenick Blue said one time to me. He made this statement. He said, you better be careful about preaching revivals that it don't steal your heart from your church. And here's what he said. Anybody can go in, blow in, and blow out in a week and be be the best thing since sliced bread. Is that right? Because that person is new. And if I go into church and I preach revival, hey, I tell them, listen, the person you need to love and the person you need to get behind your man of God, he's the one that preaches to you on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I know I'm the pastor, but I preach it everywhere else. I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't preach it right here. Isn't that right? And when I'm gone, I want you to know that whoever comes behind me, that's the person you need to get with. That's the person you need to get behind. That's the person you need to stand under. Amen. And listen, Dave, he didn't go seeking other prophets. Uh, He stayed with the man that God had put in his life uh, and he sought him for counsel, amen. He went with David for counsel. And you know, a true man of God will not elevate himself. He will not build himself up and he will not get people to look to himself. He will get them to look to Christ, amen. 
I think Samuel was a true man of God. I think Samuel was a man that was interested in David, was not interested in his own ministry. He went to Samuel for counsel. I'll say this, he went to Samuel for comfort, amen. It reached a point in David's life that, David, you've got to remember he's by himself and he's not getting any comfort from his wife because she's not spiritual. He's not getting any comfort from his friends. Jonathan was a great help to David, but here's the thing. Jonathan was very limited in what Jonathan was capable of of doing and spending time with him because of the circumstances and the situation in David's life. So guess what? God put Samuel in David's life and David goes to Samuel to find comfort. David knew that Samuel wouldn't tell him what he thought, but he would give him a comforting word from the Lord. He would help him find direction for his life and that's what they did. They go to, to, to Naoth, to Ramah. You know why? Because that was the wisdom that Samuel got and that was the place that Samuel took David to. What I'm saying is, it's good to have a man of God that will preach comfort and will give some word that will be a spiritual man that will give word uh, that will help you and I in times of distress. i just be honest with you. There's been times in my life when I look back that had I not had a pastor, had I not had a preacher, I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I would do. But thank God for a preacher that would preach the word and it's the word that gives comfort to our soul, amen I don't have any comfort I go to funerals and you stand there and you think to yourself what are you going to say to these people there's nothing you can really say you go by their bedside when they're losing their loved one there's not anything I can say to, to heal a person's heart and, I, and years ago, I, I used to go and why I struggle with that. And the Lord showed me one day, He spoke to me, He said, you, you don't have the words. So stop trying to give them. It's in vain. You're not going to heal their heart. You're not supposed to. Well, God spoke to me and God said, just be there. Just pray for them. Just sit in a corner and pray for them while they weep over their loved one. And pray that I'll be their comfort. And I'm going to tell you, God knows how to comfort us in ways that nobody else can. And I'm thankful for the times. I'm telling you, there's times I look back through my life, I went to church, and I didn't think I could put one foot in front of the other. You know what I'm talking about? Times I went to church, it didn't look like the situation was going to ever get any better. In fact, it was getting worse. And I went to church, and I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? But the man of God got up, and he took that Bible, and he went to preaching. And he got to give me counsel. And as he got to give me counsel, he got to give me comfort. He didn't even know what I was going through. He didn't even know where I was at. And if he did, he still wouldn't have had the word. Oh, but he did have the word. He didn't have a word, but he had the word. And he took the word. It's not my words that'll comfort anybody. But I tell you, I hold in my hand a copy of the word of God. And I want to tell you something, friend. There's no desert too barren. There's no valley too long. There's no night so dark. There's no storm. My friend, it's too fierce that what the word of God cannot rise up and give us comfort in the midst of it. I tell you, when a man of God preaches and the power of God gets on him and the word of God flows, it gives comfort. It gives comfort to our soul. Hallelujah. It'll give you some comfort, Brother Ronnie, in the dark times of life. He may not know what he's saying. He may not know what he's doing, but God knows because it's his word. Hallelujah. It's his word that does it.
We're just channels. That's all we are is vessels. And God works. When you testified this morning, I didn't know. I just, I just, I don't even know. I just know when you testified, the Holy Ghost said, say a word for him. I don't have to know the other end of that. God knows it all. Isn't that right? And he went to Samuel for counsel. He went to Samuel for comfort. And then he always say this, he went to Samuel for companionship. I don't think a pastor ought to be everybody's buddy. Somebody say amen to that. You can't pastor a church on a buddy system. And I tell you, a pastor ought to keep a, there ought to be a professional relationship. Not He ought to be within arm length of the people. Arm length is close enough that you're close. That people can approach you. They can come to you. They can talk to you. They can find counsel. But it ought not be so close that we know everybody's secrets. Can I get a witness? And that we lose respect for each other. It will not be so close that it becomes chummy. It becomes a, a buddy system. And I'll tell you something, friend. Uh, I think every preacher has failed at that at some point. It is ministry. It's a learning process within itself. But I want to tell you something tonight. He went to David, went to Samuel because he wanted companionship. I believe a man of God ought to be approachable. He ought to be somebody you can come to. He ought to be somebody you can share your burdens with. Uh, he ought to be somebody that will weep with you. He ought to be somebody that will pray with you. That's what Samuel Samuel was to David. Samuel knew what David needed because Samuel walked with God and he loved David and David knew that Samuel loved him. That's the way it ought to be, friend. A man of God ought to see people more than just a statistic on a board or in a bulletin. They ought to be more, my friend, than just somebody that puts money in the offering plate. They ought to be more than just a paycheck. This is not a job. This is not a profession, but this is a call of God. Amen. And a real Samuel will look at a congregation and there'll be some companionship, there ought to be some love between him and between that, uh, that congregation. Isn't that right? Y'all love me because I love y'all. Anybody here don't like me, would you please raise your hand and identify yourself? If you don't love me, please raise your hand because I want to run back there and give you a big old hug if you're a man. Put that in there. And I give you a high five if you're a lady. How's that? Hey, you know how it is in a church. We're a family, aren't we? Sometimes, sometimes we don't always get along, do we? And Brother David's been doing this for 19 years now. And we've always got along perfectly. We've never had, we never had a crossword. But you know what? I don't always do things probably the way he would, and he don't always do things the way I would. But you know what? We love each other. Isn't that right? And in in a church, we're not always going to agree on everything. But the cause of what we're doing is worth never disagreeing over. I mean, in breaking unity. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes we're all wrong, ain't we? Thank God when we get to heaven, Brother Laddie, God's going to straighten every one of us out. (laughs) Won't that be a good day? We don't, none of us have all the answers. But I'm going to tell you something. You want God to bless your life? You need to have longevity in church membership. 
You need to stay where God put you. This lady went out one day out this church. Been several years ago. She went out to church. She said, well, I don't like that decision you made. I mean, at least she told me. She didn't smile at me and say, well, well, God bless you, preacher, and then go tell 10 people. She just told me. She said, well, I don't like that decision. I said, you know what? I said, I don't like it neither. She said, you don't? I said, no. I said, in fact, I said, I- I'm mad about it too. She said, you are? I said, yes. I said, I hope you're mad about it. I said, because I'm really mad about it. I said, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like it at all. She said, well, what would you do it for? I said, because God told me to. You see, we don't always do what we want to do. And doing what's right ain't always what's easy. Amen. Sometimes I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you you could do what's right and go home and pillow your head. And we say that a lot of times. But I'm going to tell you the real truth of it. Sometimes you do what's right and you go home and you stay up and you weep. It ain't always an easy night's sleep. But I tell you, I've come in here on more than one occasion when I've done what's right. And I ain't always done what's right. I'm going to tell you that too. I've missed it sometimes. But I've come in here on more than one occasion when I've done what's right. I remember one Sunday, my heart was split. It broken in two. And I knew I did what God told me. But I was broken hearted over it. And it didn't end good. And I thought, well, it's going to get worse, you know. It's just the way it is. It's just got to ride it out, you know. We come in here that morning, Brother Laddie, and I cannot explain it to you. God just opened the windows of heaven that Sunday morning. So I'm telling you on the first song on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock service, I mean, it blew slap out the top. And there was so much freedom in this church. And all the while, the Holy Ghost was telling me it pays to do what's right. It ain't always easy, but it always pays. And I'm not preaching this. Don't misunderstand me. There's no problems tonight in this church that I know of. I'm just preaching it because it's in the text tonight. But you don't wait till the problems come to start preaching on it, do you? And just preach it now. Isn't that right? What I'm saying is he went there for companionship. If you love each other, you do what's right. You love your children, you do what's right. You do what's right whether they agree with it or disagree with it. You do what's right whether they like it or don't like it. You just do what's right. He went to him for companionship. I want to say this. He went to him for coverage. David went to Samuel for this this cause. He knew Samuel knew where to hide him out. And he took him to the hill of God and there the Spirit of God came upon Samuel. And it didn't matter how many messengers that, Dave, or that Saul sent and it didn't, matter, it didn't matter how many even Saul himself when he showed up, none of that mattered. You know why? Because the Spirit of God was going to take care of David. When Saul got there where David was, guess what they were doing? The Bible says they were singing or they were, they were, they were prophesying which means they were singing and they were chanting to the Lord. They, they, were, they were quoting and singing. Guess what? The Spirit of God was so strong that when them messengers showed up, you know what happened? It overtook them. When Saul showed up, it overtook them. You know what that sounds like to me? An old-fashioned worship service. 
Whenever you get an old-fashioned worship service, guess what? It'll overtake a lot of things in life. That's why worship is so important tonight, folks. Because worship covers a lot of things. I've seen people get right with God that probably never would have got right, and you have too, but they got in an old-fashioned worship service, and the power of God got a hold of them, and things started happening. Amen? God started working. Why do you think the devil doesn't want us to worship in 2017? You know why? Because he knows there's power in it tonight. And he knows God can bring deliverance when his people go to worshiping. And I wonder tonight as we stand, there's times when we need to run to God. There's times we need to seek counsel. And there's times that we need to we need to be still and know that He is God. Tonight as they prepare this song, an invitation, if you need to come and use this altar tonight, maybe God has spoke to you about something in your life. There's a need tonight. Brother David's going to sing while he sings. That's right. You seek, you seek God tonight. There's wisdom. The answer's right here in this altar call tonight. If you'll seek God, He'll give you the wisdom that you need. While we sing, you obey God.